Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. <laughs> the Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Makers of Johnson's Wax, Johnson's Car New, and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. When you walk into a store to make a purchase, whether it's Johnson's Wax or Soap or Shoes, does it occur to you that your dealer renders you a valuable service? And never so valuable as now, when wartime restrictions complicate his operations. He buys a little of this, a little more of that, things he believes you're going to need, and he puts them on his shelf until you come to buy them. He has to have a convenient location, people to wait on you, and maybe delivery service. Now, if that's all he did, you still couldn't get along without him. But he does more. He exercises buying judgment on your behalf, selects from among the goods offered those that he can recommend to you and stand back of. For your protection, Johnson's Wax, Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, and Johnson's Car New are sold only through recognized dealers, never by independent door-to-door canvassers. Remember this, if a house-to-house canvasser ever offers you such a product under a Johnson name... What is so rare is this time of year When city dwellers full of cheer Start making for the lakes and woods With tons and tons of sporting goods With suntan lotion, bathing suits Fly rods, rifles, wading boots Camp stoves, tents and hunting knives Dark glasses, beer and weary wives Full of fun and fancy follies And plans like Fibber McGee and Molly. Of course, what I'd really like to do is go into the wildest part of the Rocky Mountains with nothing on me but a blanket and a hunting knife. That's really what I'd like to do. <laughs> What's so funny? You. Huh? I can picture you prowling around the mountains with a blanket and a knife. What do you mean? Why, you can't even peel an apple without losing a few fingers. <laughs> and why? Because I'm soft. <laughs> I've been living too easy. A couple of weeks in the woods and I'd harden up like a boarding house mattress. <laughs> <laughs> Well, somehow a week or two of camping out doesn't have much appeal for me. Let's stay home, McGee, and play rummy and go to a few movies, huh? No, sir, nothing doing. I want to get away from things. What things? Well, things. <laughs> People, telephones, mail, newspapers. Well, where are we going? Have you decided? Oh, well, I think so. Of course, we can't take the train anyplace, and we haven't got a car, so I had to pick a place nearby, Lake Dugan. Lake Dugan? Yep. Why, that's right on the edge of town. Sure. Take all our stuff out there right on the streetcar. <laughs> I can run in every morning and get the mail and the newspapers and see if there was any phone calls. <laughs> Swell swimming there, too. 
If you can find a place between the rowboats, that's a fine place to get away from people. Huh? Why, you can't roast a marshmallow out there without burning a hole in somebody's bathing trunks. <laughs> that reminds me, where's my boy scout hatchet? Well, uh, you threw it away. I did? Sure, because it cut your wrist when you tried to open a can of tomatoes with it. Huh? Remember? I washed your wrist off with boric acid and your mouth out with soap. Where's my rifle? Well, it's practically all rusted to pieces. Rusted? How did it get rusted? Well, you said it was almost impossible to get cartridges for it now, so I had to have something to stir the washing with. Oh, my gosh. All my equipment is shot. What? Come in. How do you do, Mr. McGee? Hello, Mrs. McGee. Uh, hi, sis. Hi. Well, how do you do, I'm sure. I just opted in to tell you I'm going on my vacation for the next two weeks and to wish you a very pleasant summer. Well, gee, sis, uh, thanks. Thanks very much. Yeah, we hope you have a nice time too, dearie. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. It'll be nice to hear your voice again in the fall. Well, good day. Good day. Good day. Who's that? I don't know. I thought you knew. <laughs> I never saw her before in my life. I was going to ask you. Why, this is terrible. I'm going to ask yeah, you. Yeah, you better find out. Wait a minute, dearie. What's your name? Mert. Oh, thank you. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mert. Yeah, my gosh. I knew I'd heard that voice someplace. <laughs> Whom now? <laughs> Abigail Luffington and be nice, McGee. We won't be seeing her all summer. I wish somebody'd write music to that. She doesn't mean to be so uptown. She's just got an inferiority complex. Inferiority complex, my clavicle. That's the excuse everybody gives for somebody being bad-mannered, high-hat, and generally disagreeable. Why, that old whippet never hush, had a... Hush, hush. She'll hear you. Come in. For goodness sakes, if it isn't Abigail Luffington. Oh, how do you do, my dear? And Mr. McGee. Hi, Ebony. Fling the frame on a chair, and I'll tell you how we celebrated Father's Day in Sicily. Oh, uh, and how did we, Mr. McGee? It was pop, pop, pop all day long. Oh. <laughs> you get it, girls? Father, pop... It's kind of a subtle play on words. That... Ain't funny, McGee. Oh, yeah. Personally, I thought it rather provocative of mirth. Mm. <laughs> well, Uppy, what are your plans for the summer? Just to start the conversation because I don't really give a hoop. McGee. <laughs> Mind your manners. Oh, not at all, Mrs. McGee, please. After all, one expects a certain natural rudeness in the virile, masculine, rough diamond outdoor type of man. Well, gee, thanks, Uppy. You don't just say Although that. in the anemic, undersized pool room type like you, Mr. McGee, <laughs> it's just merely irritating. Oh, yeah. Why, you triple-chin, non-flying fortress? McGee, if McGee! You... Stop it this minute. My goodness, you ought to be ashamed. Now apologize to Abigail. Okay. I apologize, Uppy. It's, it's my inferiority complex. Makes me nasty. <laughs> oh, these little outbursts don't, uh, don't upset me in the least, Mr. McGee. I merely say to myself, Abigail, I says to my... Oh, I mean, uh, <clears throat> Abigail, I say, why should you be annoyed because some inflated little gutter snipe goes away and leaves his voice running? But Abigail... Uh... <laughs> Oh, no, these little arguments do not affect my social equilibrium in the slightest degree. That is due to my theatrical training. Oh, oh yes, in the theatre, one is trained not to be overwhelmed by the stress of emotional scenes and, in spite of them, to make a graceful exit. <laughs> Good day. Wait, Abigail, don't... Hey, Uppy, that's the door to the... Oh, 
fix it. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I've been, I've been camping out ever since I was a kid. Nothing healthier, too, Yes, either. I guess so. Used to sleep like a log. Matter of fact, up in the Canadian Rockies, once I slept so much like a log, they rolled me into the river, and I was halfway down to the sawmill before I woke up. <laughs> it was only because well, of my... Well, hello there, kids. Where are you going? Hello, Mr. Oldtimer. Going down to the Wistful Vista Sports Shop, Oldtimer. Starting our vacation tomorrow and need some camping equipment. Ah, oh, that's great stuff, kids. Great stuff. Used to be quite an outdoor man myself. Used to own a ranch in Wyoming. That's what you says last week. What was your brand? Two getters, a fiddle, a banjo, and a jug. One of the fellas... No, used to no, play... no. Huh? Yeah. Not band, brand. Yeah. Didn't you brand your cattle? Nope. Started to once, hmm. but I accidentally sat down onto a hot branding iron. I see. What happened to me shouldn't occur to a cow. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you spend so much time on a ranch, Mr. Oldtimer, how come you're not bow-legged? Used to be awful bow-legged, daughter. Oh. I was so bow-legged, I had a terrible time in church for a while. Hmm. Took me three pews to kneel down. <laughs> How'd you ever get your gams ironed out? I took a trip to New York. Got caught in a subway rush. Come out and knock knees. <laughs> knew you were a westerner, Mr. Oldtimer. You know, you've got that squinty look around the eyes that comes from gazing across the sunlit desert or trying to find the pork in a can of pork and beans. <laughs> That's pretty good, daughter. <laughs> but that ain't the way I heard it. The way I heard it, one fire says to... <laughs> Uh-oh, oh, gotta get going. Have a nice summer, kid. See you in the fall. Hey, hey, what's the rush? Oh, I got a date with my gal, Johnny. Librarian at the library. Uh. She reads to me every afternoon. We're on Black Beauty now, and I'm pretty worried how it comes out. Oh. Things the way they are now, I'm scared Black Beauty's gonna wind up on a blue plate. <laughs> Have fun, <laughs> Well, 
hope you'll be as young as he is when you're as old as he is, McGee. I hope I never look that old. His face looks like it had wore out three bodies. <laughs> well, here's the sports shop, Molly. Come on. Good day, sir. What can I do for you? We're having a special today on moose calls. Genuine Brazilian birch bark. They come in three tones, plaintive, urgent, and imperative. <laughs> no thanks, bud. I don't want one. But, sir, why, on our last order, we asked for six gross. And do you know how many we got? Half a dozen, of which this is the last one. Oh. There won't be any more, you know, for the duration. Oh, how terrible. Well, gee, maybe I better take one. No, no. We don't want it, McGee. We need a moose call like you need a hole in the head. In his case, that might be exactly Pipe what... down, bud. <laughs> My wife says I don't need a moose call by George. I don't need a moose call, see? I, I, I would like to try it once. I never blew a moose call. <laughs> Certainly, sir. Go right ahead. Well, that, <laughs> that didn't seem to arouse any particular... Oh, look, McGee, here comes Mr. Wilcox. <laughs> Why, this is a wonderful little gadget, Molly. One honk and in comes Wilcox. Yeah. <laughs> But he's not a moose. Well, he's an elk, ain't he? That's awful close. Hi, Junior. Hello, Fibber. Hello, Molly. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Say, you're an expert on better homes. Won't you help McGee pick out a pup tent? Oh, sorry. I can't do it, Molly. I have to be at a war plant in 20 minutes. Oh. I just dropped in here to have my tennis racket restrung. Uh, take care of it, will you, Abercrombie? Certainly, Mr. Wilcox. I'll have our racketeer go right to work on it. <laughs> what you all going to a war plant for, Junior? Well, I've got to give a short talk. On what? As if we uh, could never guess. On nutrition. Well, that's a new way to approach the... On what? Nutrition. Oh, now, come, come, Mr. Wilcox. <laughs> it's a fine product, we know, but even we who love it so dearly wouldn't eat it. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about that. I'm going to give a talk on the importance of war workers, yes, and other workers, too, maintaining their health by eating the right kind of bodybuilding food. Primarily butter and milk and cheese products. That's group four of the government's nutrition program. I see. Yes, it seems the... Uh, <laughs> it seems the nutrition experts have divided all food into seven groups. And to keep in fighting trim, we must have at least one food out of each group every day. Milk is one of the most necessary items in the whole list. So what if I don't like milk? My gosh, if I get plenty of meat and potatoes... You I see, don't... the milk and cheese group of the nutrition plan contains some of the most vital elements to human health. Milk furnishes about three-fourths of the calcium we need every day to build our bone structure properly. Milk and cheese are full of vitamin A, and without vitamin A, our eyesight is impaired. All grocery stores have lists of the seven basic food groups posted up, and it's easy to refer to them when you do your shopping. Well, I think I'll close my little talk by saying, <clears throat> vitamins for victory. There's a great day coming, so drink your gray day today. Oh. You like that? Oh. <laughs> No, I don't. You don't? No. Well, then it must be good. I'll use it. See you later, folks. Goodbye, Mr. Milcott. Hasta la wistful vista, Junior. Is there anything in particular I could show you now, sir? Not right away, bud. I want to kind of look around first. Yeah, we're mostly interested in uh, camping equipment. He wants a pip tent. Pup tent. Well, give me the pip. <laughs> Every time... Oh, look, McGee, here comes Dr. Gamble. Hello, doctor. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. Hi, Doc. Buying something, or did you just come in to get out of the fresh air? Start my vacation tomorrow, Doc. Going to go camping. Oh, that's great. Yeah? I can hardly wait to treat you for sunstroke, poison oak, chiggers, water in the ear, spider bites, and fish hooks in the gluteus maximus. 
You know, I'm going to make him be more careful this year, Doctor. Oh, it's no use, my dear. He's the kind who needs a lifeguard when he washes his hair. I think there ought to be a law against vacations. Here we build a man up and keep him in shape to do his daily work for 50 weeks out of the year, and what happens? He takes a vacation. He sleeps outdoors in a damp cot. Exercises like a commando when his greatest effort for the past year has been tearing the band off a cigar. <laughs> he swallows gallons of muddy lake oh, water. Tush, 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 tush. You're just an old sourpuss, Doc. You think everybody ought to go through life chewing on a thermometer and walking on their hands so they won't get their feet wet. Well, the doctor just doesn't like to see people make fools of themselves, dear. Well, you're quite right, Mrs. McGee. But it's like trying to keep an apple seed from making an apple of itself. <laughs> Well, I hope you folks enjoy yourselves this summer. Take a good rest, my boy. Thanks, Doc. And, and uh, my boy, don't be like most men on a vacation. Huh? Remember, this little woman is your wife, not a red cap, a washing machine, or a nursemaid. Let her have some fun, too. I'm glad you're getting out of town for a while, McGee. You think it'll do him good, Doctor? I doubt it, but it'll give me a new lease on life. <laughs> Goodbye, now. All right. King's Men and a little close harmony. The old songs, the old songs, the good old songs for me. I love to hear those. rabbit trap, Mr. McGee. Mm -hmm. uh, here's how it works. Mm -hmm. We put a piece of lettuce on the trigger here, cock the spring, then Mr. Rabbit comes along. See? He sniffs the lettuce, takes a bite, and that blank cottage explodes. Ingenious, isn't it? Yeah, but that would scare the rabbit away. Of course. That's why this is the most humane trap made. <laughs> 
think that's ridiculous. And furthermore, yeah, I don't hello, know... Hello McGee. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Why, Mr. Coast Guardsman, Latrivia, how nice. Hi, Latriv. You still on leave? My leave is up tomorrow, McGee. Oh. I'm going to stop coasting and start guarding again, eh? <laughs> yes, yes. As I was saying to one of our petty officers last week... Now, that uh, isn't a very nice way to talk about your officers, Mr. Latrivia. I said nothing derogatory, Mrs. McGee. In the Navy, an officer's rank... If an officer's is... rank, you should keep quiet about it. <laughs> sure. Nobody's perfect, Mr. Latrivia. Remember that. Mrs. McGee, please. I merely made the statement that a superior officer... You've was... got an inferiority complex, Latrivia. They just seem to be acting superior because you've got no gold braids, see? I didn't say they acted superior. They're superior officers because the higher the rank... They higher the rank what? <laughs> Go on and say it, Latrivia. But remember, enemy ears are all about us. No disloyalty. Don't accuse me of disloyalty, McGee. I was only trying to tell you that an ordinary seaman... Don't can... you dare call our sailor boys ordinary seamen, Mr. Latrivia. <laughs> Why, our sailors are the best seamen there are. Yeah. Just because you think your officers are petty and act superior, Latrivia, don't you think... I don't want... think anything. I mean, I didn't think what I was saying. You... You've twisted everything I've said. Now, let's start at the beginning. Okay. I said that one of our petty officers... Now, Latrivia, I, I, I warn you, if you persist in that attitude, I'll be forced to report you. Yes, and you'll be thrown in the grog for 90 days, and how do you like that? It isn't a grog, it's a brig. Grog is an old Navy term meaning rum. Yeah, well, what's so rum about a term in one of our grogs? I tell you, it isn't a grig, a brog. A drink is a brink... No, that's grog... In a Navy grip, a brig, a dog, a Say, have you been drinking, Mr. Latrivia? I don't drink and you both know it. But before I go, I'd like to straighten you don't out. Don't you threaten my wife, you big bully. You will have to straighten me out before you lay a finger on her. Yes, for shame. A man in the United States uniform threatening women with violence. Mr. Latrivia, I was never please, so... Please, please, please. Just listen to me for a moment. Okay, Latrivia, but make it snappy before I call the FBI. <laughs> now, look, you've got me all wrong. I didn't mean to say that. My observations were me. My officers are the pilot. <laughs> say, what is this? Uh, Have you been pulling my leg? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't mind telling you, Latrivia, you've got the stretchiness leg we ever pulled. <laughs> Don't be angry, Mr. Latrivia, but it was just like old times, and we just couldn't resist it. <laughs> angry? Oh, I'm so relieved I could kiss you. I think I will. Hey. <laughs> oh, thank you. Now, McGee. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> you get away from me. I ain't going to say... Oh, don't be silly. I just wanted to shake hands. Oh, that. That's it. <laughs> Wish you a nice vacation, both of you. Thanks. Good luck. And I hope when we meet again, the box score will be... No Hitlers, no ruins, no terrors. Oh, I hope so, too, Trivia. Happy landings, boy. Goodbye, now. Uh, great little guy, Latrivia. Little? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see his chest? I was scared to death he'd take a deep breath and push us right through a showcase. <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty husky little... Oh, oh, you got that sleeping bag I asked for, bud? Yes, sir. A genuine snug bug sleeping bag. Uh -huh. We have two of these, though the other one is damaged, which makes this one the last one we have in stock. For the duration? Yes. Hey, that's pretty good. A sleeping bag. 
Just crawl in and zip it up, eh, bud? That's all. Waterproof, sun fast, and guaranteed as long as it lasts. <laughs> now, listen, McGee, I don't think you want to... Oh, hello there, Mr. Wimple. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. McGee. <laughs> Hi, wimp old man. You like the sleeping bag? I'm thinking about buying it for a little camping trip Molly and me are going on. Oh, I don't care much for them, Mr. McGee. <laughs> that sleeping bag's lie is my motto. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Wimple, were you buying some uh, vacation things? No, Mrs. McGee. Sweetie Face sent me down to pick up a couple of dumbbells. Oh. My goodness, I never expected to find you here. <laughs> Is that a crack, Wallace? Well, of course not, Mr. McGee. I never make cracks. Oh. I learned my lesson last week when I flew off the handle with Sweetie Face. Oh. You did what, Mr. Wimple? I flew off the handle. You finally did it. Yes, I was out in the kitchen frying some eggs and Sweetie Face came in. Yeah? She grabbed the frying pan, but I hung onto it, uh -huh. so she started whirling me around her head. Oh. Finally, I flew off the handle and crashed into the china cabinet. <laughs> I bet she was sorry she did that. No, that made her more angry than ever. Mm. She said, aha, in your cups again, and sloughed me with a refrigerator. Very violent woman, I'd say. Yes. You going to buy this sleeping bag, Mr. McGee? Well, I don't know, Wimp. Mind if I try this one on for size, bud? Very happy to have you, Mr. McGee. We don't close till 5.30, if you'd care to take a little nap in it. Oh, no. No, no, McGee. Oh, I you ain't don't sleepy need... anyway, Molly. Here, hold the top open while I wiggle into it. That's it. A little wider. That's it. Fits nicely around the hips, doesn't it? My goodness. He looks like a little caboose in there, doesn't he, Mrs. McGee? <laughs> you mean papoose, Mr. Wimple. A caboose is the rear end of a freight train. Yes, I know. <laughs> okay, zip it up, bud. Hey, this is wonderful. I'll buy this, bud. You better let me out now. It's, it's too hot. Isn't oh, dear me. What's the matter? The little piece that unzips it is broken off. So careless of me. Well, give it a Cut me out of this. I'm smitten. Sure. Cut it. Good heavens, man. It's the $32 sleeping bag. Well, he's worth more than that to me alive. Rip it open. Uh, hurry up, bud. Hurry up. Get me out of here. Just be patient, sir. I have no authority to enter the property of the store. Well, well of all the dead, rather dirty luck, why does everything have to happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> what do you find so amusing, Mr. Wimple? Oh, you just struck me funny, Mrs. McGee. <laughs> To have you end the season on this note. On what note, Mr. Wimple? Well, for once, the bag is holding McGee. Oh, dear. <laughs> There's one thing we all have in common right now. We're very busy. There are so many demands on our time, both on the job and at home, that we're tempted to let certain things slide, just not get them done. You might think, for example, you could just forget the finish of your car. Let it look shabby as long as you watch things like the tires and batteries. But there's more to it than meets the eye. That dirt and grease and road scum that collect on the finish may be doing serious damage by chemical action. The only safe procedure is to remove that shabby film of dirt and keep the finish clean. Then it won't deteriorate. You can keep it clean so easily with Johnson's Car New. The easy-to-use polish that both cleans and polishes with one application, two jobs at once. Carnew is a liquid. It dries to a powder, which is easily wiped off. You'll gladly do a Carnew job yourself, and you'll be surprised what it will do for your self-respect and for your driving pleasure. 
Remember the name Johnson's Carnu, spelled C-A-R-N-U. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of our sponsors and all of us connected with this show, we want to thank you once more for your wonderful support and loyalty. This last season, as you know, the makers of Johnson's Wax dedicated every fourth program to the presentation of some government message, some phase of the war effort which we thought we might make a little clearer to you in our own peculiar way. We want to thank Mr. Elmer Davis and his Office of War Information for the highly efficient cooperation we've had in getting our facts straight and eliminating conflict with other programs. Yes, and keep tuning in this summer at the same hour. Because, you know, Johnson's Wax is again presenting MGM's outstanding teller of amazing tales, John Nesbitt, in his dramatic passing parade. Now, if you remember his famous letter to Hitler last summer, which was so widely reprinted, you'll be interested to know that in his first show next week, he gives you a new letter to Hitler. It'll be a wonderful series, and we know you'll enjoy it. So until McGee and I see you nice people again. Good night. Good night, all. The characters of the old-timer and Wallace Wimple heard on this program were played by Bill Thompson. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night when we bring you that outstanding teller of amazing tales, John Nesbitt, in his passing parade. This program has reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. <laughs>